last time on Almost Heroes. Uh, we began our last adventure with the Almost Heroes being greeted by Bryn outside of an old dilapidated uh, temple. Uh, very quickly, because Glenn and Rangram are actively fleeing a very recently committed crime, uh, the group moves swiftly into the temple and are greeted by a uh, large, elderly, and viciously sarcastic orc who Glenn might sort of have a crush on now, uh, who introduces himself as Callahan, the cleric. Uh, Callahan uh, mentions at one point that he, and with the help of another cleric named Eustace, uh, were the ones who originally sealed Jakar away, and it had taken them close to like 20 to 40 years off their life. It was a lifelong mission, and uh, we basically broke in a weekend. Uh, Brynn informs a group that when he had first taken the armored form, uh, he felt the presence of another entity, another soul, among the armor itself. Um, and when he kind of speaks to this, Callahan offers an opportunity to delve into Brynn's soul stone, I think what we're calling it, with a powerful spell that will allow the group to interact and potentially intervene with whoever this dark passenger may be. Um, this completely tangential side note, uh, we should have a tracker for every time John uses the title in the episode, because I'm pretty sure it's got a high like percentage rate, but it cracks me up every single time. Uh, Callahan, Glenn, Cosmo, and Rangrim all hold hands and are immediately thrust into a dark and smoky plane. After a brief assessment of their gear and the weapons available to them, noticing that there's some slight changes here or there, Glenn has access to Adna's scimitar, not Chandrell. Cosmo is only using like a standard miner's pick that he would have had when he was a younger boy. Rangrim lost one of his nine shields and now only has an AC of like 100. Uh, they begin to kind of hear the sounds of a battle around them. There's no real clear way forward until Cosmo yells out to um, our new friend Callahan and kind of a path appears before the, the group. They move forward and uh, while they're moving, I guess towards the sound of battle, a massive smoke object just lands between the two of them, or sorry, between the three of them, and they all jump out of the way last moment to avoid whatever this collision might be. And off in the distance, they see seven more humanoid in shape, smoke figures approaching this large mass and also the group. And it seems like they have found themselves in the middle of a battle that no one understands. Um, then during a stroke of genius and or potentially madness, Rangrim casts True Seeing on himself at sixth level, which was like the play of the day. And while Cosmo and Glenn only see smoke creatures and this weird dark plane, Rangrim sees something entirely different. What Rangrim sees is a dark feathered creature off in the distance, you know, maybe some smaller dwarves making their way, uh, basically sprinting directly at the group. And directly next to him and among the three of us is a massive drider who goes by the name of Lolf. Uh, she's not nice. And she immediately starts attacking basically the group around him, but is kind of unfettered by our presence and more focused on the seven that are actively approaching. Uh, a battle ensues. Cosmo throws a rock at someone, um, misses, and then throws a second rock and just potentially hits him. But while we're, while Glenn and Cosmo are kind of exceeding this crazy smoky chaos, Rangram actually sees that this happens to be the seven and it happens to be a battle with Lol. Um, during this fight, seemingly out of nowhere, a massive, almost blinding bright light lands directly on or next to Lol. Um, and the ground begins to dissipate, the smoke all kind of clears, and the group begins to plummet. And as they're falling towards the ground, they see um, these planes that look really familiar. It's a, a, a place that the group has been before, um, but they're 
sort of plummeting to the Earth. Uh, or I don't know what planet Sakal takes place on, but Earth 2, if you will. Um, while they're plummeting, they Rangrim, because again, he's the only person who knows what the hell's going on, including Cosmo, just kind of along for the ride. Uh, Rangrim is seeing this spirit come crashing down into the armor that is our friend Bryn. Uh, after a few seconds of kind of chaos and confusion, um, the armored body begins to move and we're immediately snapped out of it. Rangrim then trying to collect whatever the hell he just saw while Glenn and Cosmo just say, yeah, it was a few smoke monsters here and there. It's nothing, nothing new. Uh, Rangrim kind of collects himself and begins telling the story of what we really did see and what truly was there. Turns out, Rangrim got to witness the entirety of the birth of the Seven, effectively, uh, and the thundering, as I understand it. A little, little vague. Gonna, gonna go on a leap, trying to catch a DM reaction. Didn't really get much, damn it. Uh, and that's more or less where we left off. I know I'm missing a ton of details, and I'm going to rewrite a lot of it, but those are the main plot points for right now. And if you want to see myself freak out when I recognize who we're seeing, uh, I will clip it because I have it saved and share it with everybody. Um, but yeah, we are in the thickest of the thickness right now. And we have all come to, and we're still in the temple. And now we're speaking with Callahan, and that is loosely where we left off. Thank you very much, PK. That brings us to episode 89, Fallen Stars. So, when we last left our Almost Heroes, the three of you had recently returned from your frightening foray into the soul gem uh, of Bryn's Warforged body, uh, discovering that the other presence in the soul gem that Bryn has been sensing for a time now uh, might, in fact, be the fallen Spider Queen herself, Walf. Uh, the three of you, including Bryn, still find your gaze following Callahan's fingers upward, uh, to the partial mural on the ceiling, and you can uh, that's depicting four figures, um, and you can still hear you know kind of his last uh, you know his his last phrase uh, echoing your head uh, when he pointed up to it and said, uh, "I think that you guys might have just met Ao." Um, and as as you're following the finger uh, pointing upwards, uh, you see uh, the, the the kind of the mural that's. Uh, depicted here, this partial mural. Uh, you see a silhouette, humanoid silhouette, uh, depicted in all white in the center. Uh, feet together and kind of arms low but outstretched. Um, to the right of the figure, you can see that there is a dark cowled figure with kind of black feathered wings. This is to the most of your you know, ability to see this. Like I said, some of the tiles have broken loose and are, have, half of this has kind of fallen down. Um, Above, um, or to the left of the figure uh, in the center, you see a withered kind of humanoid figure, legs crossed, uh, surrounded by glyphs that seem to be kind of arching over them in kind of a, a, a rainbow fashion. Um, and then directly above them, you can see a much larger form, draconic and colorful and seemingly with five faces. 
And that's the mural that you're you're seeing directly above you right now. Um, it's depicted in a way where where the, the the figure in white is in the center and kind of in a in a radial fashion to the right, to the left, and above. Um, that that's where the the figures are. Callahan says. So, how much do you all know about Ao and the Three Titans? History check. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I'll go with none. Cosmo, uh, for you in particular, roll a history check for this with advantage. Flynn huh. would definitely be trying to rack his brain, but I don't think I would have any form of advantage on this one. Okay. Yeah, you, you, uh, you've actually done a similar check to this, uh, Glenn, in the past because you did a check to, uh, to know more about the book, The Three Titans. And I, just like now, didn't know a goddamn thing. <laughs> you knew it was a book. You recognized it from your time in libraries. Yes, my library times. Yeah. Your, your <laughs> secret the darkest your timeline. Yeah, <laughs> your secret library times that we don't talk about with anyone. Uh, my history check. I'm not allowed in most libraries anymore. Mom, I'm studying my cantrip. Stay out. <laughs> um, I got a history check of a 17. Perfect. Cosmo, you've, you know, you're, you're from Nuarta, but you came to Sakal when you were relatively young. And being born on the day of the Sundering, you have grown up in a world that has basically kind of try to force feed you the seven. Um, even though your family kind of, you know, pulled away from that a little bit, um, you were still surrounded by, you know, kind of that, you know, that verbiage, uh, you know, about the seven, um, especially when you were in Sakal and the, that's kind of the official set of, uh, you know, theology, of, you know, kind of by the empire itself. So you would, re you would recognize that uh, this story, about Ao and the the three titans is essentially like a, a, a story told to like children in a way that like it's been kind of like simplified and you kind of just understand and know the stories is just like you know kids grow up in the U.S. know like hearing about the you know the Jonah's Ark like or like the, the like Noah's Ark and like Jonah and the whale and all those kinds of stories that are like. They seem like, you know, in, in the world of, of you know, D&D, there's magic and things like that exist. So magic and fantastical things are a little bit more believable. Um, but still, like, these stories are bigger than life. They're, you know, you're dealing with, like, gods and things that children don't generally deal with. And even the common folk don't generally deal with on a daily basis. So these kind of bombastic stories are told in these, like, simplified ways. But um, Cosmo. You um, you know these tales, uh, and basically, I, I guess I'll just, I'm trying to figure out the best way to kind of tell you what you know, while also <laughs> making sure that, like, you don't have to then tell the guys. Um, if you want, I can just kind of go through it in a simple manner, um, and then I can you can just tell say that you would just basically... <laughs> explain that, that to the, that, the guys that sounds wonderful <laughs> okay so um i actually you know what i, th I think here's here's what we'll do callahan um 
seeing uh, seeing a look of recognition on uh, your face and a look of confusion on the faces of uh, Glynn and Rangrim. Uh, kind of turns and goes, well, it seems like you're familiar and that's it's not a surprise at all. You know, growing up here, it's kind of something that's kind of pushed down your throats in the last 50 years or so. Some for the you two. Something of that source, yeah. Just childhood tales. And though they're tales, there's some truth, I would I would suspect. Ao and three titans. Ao being the overgod of basically everything, the creator of all, you know, the Alpha and Omega all the way through. The story goes that they became, well, for lack of a better word, bored with what they had created, had grown tired of just, you know, wanted to change something, something new, or just was uncontent with how their creations had kind of panned out. And for whatever reason, they decided that it was time for a restart. A refresh and had as far as we know or had heard had intended on kind of undoing their previous works and starting with a blank canvas well as you can imagine some of those creations weren't too happy about that and decided to take it into their own hands and kind of see if they could uh well, maybe put a stop to it. That's where the seven come into this. They were the seven, seven warriors, seven heroes that rose to the aid of those who couldn't defend themselves and alongside some of the, at that time, current pantheon of gods, rose up and essentially fought their way to Ao and eventually destroyed them. But what some people don't know is that Ao wasn't alone, and not every one of the gods turned on them. Ao had protectors in the form of the three titans known as Tiamat, Kronos, and the Raven Queen. And those three, those three gods stood by Ao until the end, until they were systematically taken down by the seven themselves, before Ao themselves was slewn. But that's Ao and the Three Titans. And that's kind of the story of, in a simplified manner of, you know, what ended up happening and what we call the Sundering. As a kid, I remember the Sundering being a much more of a uh, destructive incident you know there was whole cities were laid desolate and i mean that's part of why the word traveled the way that it did i remember hearing a story about a whole city falling from the sky that kind of makes sense doesn't it if you're you have seven heroes and 
mean, I've heard stories of Tiamat too, and I've seen what they were able to do. I imagine a lot of cities would be in some way destroyed during that process, let alone whatever the hell would happen to, or whatever you would need to do to kill Ao. That sounds like a tall order. The destruction of Ao brought, well, ruin to a lot of places. It turned the world upside down completely. With the fall of Ao and the disillusion and uh, disappearance of the entire pantheon of gods before, everyone became, many became unpowered. Holy magics ceased to exist and those magics were, when they became undone, places that had been built with magic or were supported by magic or had been developed within that structure, just in an instant, were unmade or undone. So it doesn't surprise me that you've heard of those, the the riots and the, the, the battles and everything else that happened in, in within that early, early era after the sundering. Uh, that's why me, that's why my family left water. We fleed Golden Grim and uh, made our way across the sea and came here to try and start a new life. But uh, I do have another question. You say many of the other gods did not side with Ao, but were still unmade. Um, what are the chances they still... I mean, there's a piece of Ao, or there's a piece of Lulz in places. What are the chances that other pieces fell other places? He kind of, he's looking at you in, in a way where he's kind of, he's not sure how to like answer that. Not like they're being cagey, but they just seem like they're weighing their words carefully with how to, Callahan is someone who is a, an official in the church and, and speaks for the church in a certain manner, um, it, you know, within the, the Temple of the Seven. So th th this is, you can see this, this kind of duality within them of someone who wants to think critically and kind of like talk through this with you, but at the same time is this is kind of going against what they, you know, what they study and what they do on a regular basis. So they, you can tell that their words are weighed when they, when they respond. So let's assume that what you saw is true and that some piece of the Spider Queen or Ao is inside of Bryn's body. I don't know why that would be. As far as we know, when Ao was defeated, all of Ao's creations cease to exist in a second in an instant they were gone that's what we have it's what we have been taught and that's what we have learned through this kind of research that we've been trying to do over these 50 years and of course we don't know everything yet it's still plenty to be learned but this is the first evidence of there being something left after that 
It's not like there people are walking around and picking up chunks of Moradin or whatever on the ground. Like this is, this is unprecedented as far as I've seen. I, we don't know for sure what's in there, but there is something in there. And if that's true, if it's a fragment of something that powerful, that both explains why Chikar might be after this body and and for whatever reason that is i don't know what the purpose of it would be if they got their hands on it it can't be good i can only imagine that mm-hmm. but it also puts both Bryn and us potentially in no small amount of danger if that slumber and consciousness or whatever you saw in there were to wake i just he kind of like does a side glance at Bryn, who you can see is just kind of like, they seem like very contemplative, like very kind of inward facing. Like, you know, they're still in the, they look like humanoid Bryn. Uh, so there's like this kind of handsome red haired bearded figure, kind of broader figure. Uh, but they, they, they aren't making like direct eye contact and they're kind of like, seem like they're slightly just, like, I, I don't know, they, they seem like they're lost in their own head currently. Um, well, I know that this all seems crazy to you, but I'll say it, it kind of feels like home to me. Uh, you, uh, I'll just say that I tried having similar conversations with a cleric of the seven at uh, my last run-in with one in Westreach uh, that went poorly, trying to understand. He's, he starts laughing as soon as you say that, <laughs> just like like kind of picturing the, that, that, how that interaction would go. But oh, sorry, yeah. keep going. Arbiter, yeah, Arbiters chased us. Uh, it was really bad. We're, we're, gener- we're not welcome at... Uh, Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, I saw me face. We- I was I snuck into the temple. I saw me face. It was there. Uh I was disguised. They didn't find us. It was great. Um because you see, hmm. How do I say this? Um hmm. uh, well I'm not really sure if I could say it. Like I'll be I'll be honest, I could go to jail if I say it. How's that? Uh we think Cosmo's Morden. Yep. Like ninety uh yeah, 98% sure. I mean, uh, I, I have my doubts, uh, but after uh, that whole thing we just saw, you know, I think a little little, little bit of Morden fell and hit hit our Cosy boy. I mean got, got like a, a spritz of Morden. He's the LaCroix of Morden. It just well, you see, um, have you ever heard of the Dusk Forge? Do you know do you know what it is? Uh yeah, it's it's, it's a, been shut down for some time, hasn't it? Right, yes. Well, in theory, no, but yes. I I opened it. That's Yeah, it uh had a grand reopening that kind of helped us kill some of our uh, our foes. I we wait till evening, you'll be able to see some of its effect, but uh, to say that Cosmo was able to 
basically tap into this this source of whatever the Dusk Forge is, and apparently there's a Dawn Forge equivalent. It's, it was pretty incredible. I mean, I I don't the, the power that came through him was something. Can't say it was nothing, Cosmo. I, it wasn't nothing, but I can't say it was Morden. I don't know what I'm saying. I I like had this crazy out of body experience. I tried to walk into the temple. I passed out, like on my face, just bloody nose, everything. It's you know, and I'm not trying to put you at risk or you know, but I just. I don't know. The last guy clearly didn't wasn't open to a conversation. I just I'm not trying to defy the seven or anything really. I just don't understand. I've heard these stories as children and then all of a sudden I start having, you know, electrical energy coming out of me hands and I don't know what to to do. Can I do an insight check to whether or not Callahan looks like he's about to just rat us out hard? If yeah. we need to worry yeah. about that at all. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you a I'll give you advantage on that insight too. Wow, uh, twelve. I don't even know if I'm good at. It. Oh shit! Uh, tw- nope, I'm looking at Rangrims. <laughs> I was like, holy crap! <laughs> I have a plus nine, uh, plus four. That makes more sense. Sixteen. Um, I will say that Callahan looks concerned. Um, they they look concerned and like a level of. I'll say with your sixteen, like. They don't look like, I don't know, they, they, do, they look very concerned about what you're saying um, in a way that is like you are going against basically everything that they have understood and or learn about this, about the seven cents in the last like 50 years since the sundering. Um, again, Callahan is someone who both Callahan and Eustace are both people who have dedicated themselves to the seven since the sundering um, because of their belief in, in them. So I will say that you aren't getting like, he's not like, you know, (laughs) like pushing a secret button behind the desk or anything like that. But like, there is a level of concern in, in in their face that like, this is troubling. Um, Troubling because it like challenges what they've learned not necessarily troubling because it's like a a, a threat to him ultimately. I'm, right? I'm gonna I'm or gonna leave it at okay okay. That's I'm, fair. Gonna, I'll, fair. I'm gonna leave that up to interpretation there, but that's that's what you're getting. Cool. Um, I mean, I can roll two to see if Cosmo can see the concern. I don't. Sure. Um, I'm not gonna give Cosmo advantage on it because that's he's fine. talking to him directly. No, that that's quite all right. It would mostly just be uh, the secret button in a side check. Is it's like we see um, Callahan's hand slowly moving towards a his, desk. His Callahan, right there. God damn it! God damn it! What yeah, was I didn't it? answer. Too high perception? up on the shelf for that one. I was right next to it. Uh, insight uh, is it, its own insight. thing. It's wisdom. It's your but, wisdom modifier. No, like insight or perception. It was either or. Insight. No, it's insight. If you if you do perception, I'll give you a completely different. I mean, you can do perception, but I'll give you a completely different. Uh, insight would be a thirteen, so it's not far off, but okay. Um, yeah, I think you're distracted by talking to them, uh, and you just kind of perceive it as uh, they seem like a just like a, a face of troubled concern. 
right. Um, like if if you were telling if you were telling your grandparents that you uh, are you know that you've kind of uh, quit your uh, your your really lucrative job and are going to become like a uh, you know I don't know do something like do pottery full time or something like <laughs> like the kind that kind of troubled concern <laughs> like that that you would you potentially could get from them from a traditional traditional fill in the blank grandparent. All right, um, Cosmo. Oh, I'm quitting my job to become a streamer. Uh, Cosmo actually, uh, seeing the level of concern, is actually going to. He's going to cast Zone of Truth. Um. Okay. And. Uh, Ooh. Uh. Okay. I'm going to give you this. Um. You need to roll a. Uh, hmm. Roll a religion check. Um, I'm gonna use my inspiration to roll again. Okay. Was that, that a nat was... one? No, but it was very close. Mucho better. What was it? Religion. Nineteen. Okay. You uh. You get this off. You this this spell goes off. Well, he has. I guess he has to do a save, right? Everyone has to do a save now. Every uh, blah, blah. I haven't cast this probably since. It's. I believe it's a. It is uh, a charisma save. save. Or charisma a, save. It's a charisma save. Um, but it says create a magical zone that guards against deception. Um, it's anybody within fifteen feet of me. So everyone. Okay. Uh, until including spell. you. Um, a creature that enters the area for the first time on a turn or starts, whatever. What's the save? Uh, 16. Okay. Um, both Bryn and Callahan fail it. Um, and then you, Rangrim, and Glenn have to roll as well. This, would this be considered being charmed or is this a different, this would be like a totally different effect? I think so. I think it's different because you're not being, yeah, I don't think it's charmed. It's an enchantment. Um, okay. uh, no, charmed is actually uh, like a condition. That's that's just the charmed. Condition. Okay, cool. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you said sixteen. I, I yeah. Uh, I mean, you get a plus four to saves. Oh, that I fucking crushed it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I got a eight. I got an eighteen. Well, actually, no, with your plus four, right? So twenty-two. Yeah. Um. Right, so uh, just to read it so that we're all aware, an affected creature is aware of the spell and can thus avoid answering questions to which it would normally respond with a lie. Such a creature, yeah, can be evasive, blah, blah, blah. So they know that, that, that they are under that, the effects of that spell. Yes, they do. And Callahan, being a, a very powerful cleric, uh, knows immediately um, and kind of looks at you, Cosmo, and goes, number one, I'm impressed that you were able to get that spell off in here with my warding that's in place. It's impressive, and they, uh, you know, there's something to be said about this power you're talking about. But I think that if we're going to be under truth spells, I think that we should make it even, shouldn't we? And you yeah. see them uh, tap their their staff on the ground 
and you, you feel this wash come over you. Uh, and I need you all to make another save, uh, charisma save for oh, no. uh, for this. I've been uh, waiting. Glenn... Go ahead. I was gonna say, Glenn, in the the air of transparency and building trust, uh, I, I hope Callahan would recognize this, but just relinquishes his save. He doesn't even try. He's just like, fuck yep. it. Yeah, you can choose to fail if you want to. I choose to fail. Just like high school. And that was a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brangram is not choosing to fail. Uh, and that would be a 17. That does not save. I did not think so. Yeah. Callahan's bringing the smoke. All right, let's see what Cosmo gets. That. You got the plus four, Dan. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How's a 27? That does save. <laughs> I, have that, a, I have a plus 12 to charisma had, saving throws. I knew you did. Yeah, you're a charismatic young man. If, if nothing else, Cosmo's a charismatic young man. Um, yeah, uh, you save. Uh, you're the only one who can who can tell lies. <laughs> Ironically, if anyone who knows you knows that you won't be. Um, but... Uh, he doesn't know that you, uh, he, they have no idea when you cast the spell, you have no idea who uh, fails it and who is not. Uh, I don't believe. Um, um, oh. When, when you cast spells, you understand. I think like inherently spell casting allows you to do that. Like you inherently know who it is. Yeah, it says in it the spell, didn't. it says, you know whether each creature success or okay. fails on its saving throw. Okay. That's in the spell. Uh, so, yes. Callahan, uh, who's kind of standing there, just looking directly eye contact to you, Cosmo, looking a little bit more stern than they were before. Um, a very Dumbledore-esque, kind of looking down his, uh, his his spectacles at you. I don't know why you felt like you needed to cast that in the first place, and I am concerned a bit that you decided that it was worthy of being sure that you could lie, but I, I guess we'll just continue with whatever your thought process was. So, what would you like to know, Cosmo? Well, I know that you have devoted your life to the Seven. Yet, for some reason, you still find yourself in these rickety old buildings telling these stories, going on this journey with us to see whatever happened to Bryn's body. And then I feel safe enough to share what I, the pieces that I know, sense the concern within you and have a concern for my own safety. Just because of your dedication to the seven and um i one casted the spell uh as a uh a proof of concept i'm not i'm not lying about these experiences that i've had I'm not saying that I'm better than the Seven or that the Seven are wrong or that the Seven should be destroyed. 
but I am saying that there is something different about me, and I don't know what it is, and I was concerned for my own safety. So what I wanted to know was that you were a safe person. He kind of, uh, still like looking at you kind of sternly, just kind of reading your expression. Because he knows you can lie, he is doing his own, like he's just looking at you and reading you while you are saying that. He's doing his own kind of unmagical version of it. Uh, kind of light detector. Callahan, you know, it took effect. I had no reason to to block this from you. I don't know you personally. I really love the way that you are actively insulting us and complimenting us. It's something I've been practicing for years. Uh, so you can't trust me when I say this, that even when I try to get Cosmo to lie, he doesn't. And it's fucking mind numbing because that would have really solved a lot of situations. So take your zone of truth against me as a vouch for Cosmo. I, I, we do these things to protect ourselves. We, this is not the first time Bryn's been in this exact situation with us. Uh, he can also vouch for that and vouch for us, but just know that whatever Cosmo has, whatever access that he has to this, this older power, uh, we're just trying to keep ourselves safe, namely our young dwarven friend here and Really, just we want to know who is a true ally because we've been burnt enough and we aren't trying to uh, end up in that situation again. Bryn kind of uh, seems to, as you kind of say their name, they uh, kind of come to a little bit uh, and looking over at Callahan. Callahan, you know me a long time. They're crazy, but... You can trust him and kind of looking over at Cosmo. May not be happy with what happened at the temple, but I do believe them when they say they did everything they could to stop. So I think you can trust him, Callahan. And Callahan kind of looking at Bryn, uh, you see his expression kind of soften. You, uh, it's been, it's been an interesting 50 years or so. And anyone who has been around, you know, before and after the sundering. You had to choose a side. And I chose to believe that the Seven did this for our benefit out of, there are a lot of people that are upset, call them the usurper gods, call them a lot of things. And that might be true. But at the end of the day, if it was true that we just wouldn't be without them, it doesn't really matter how bad they are. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. But why I'm here, why I'm in this rinky-dink temple, as you called it, this kind of relic of an older time, I mean, I spend most of my time in the 
the beautiful halls of, you know, the Temple of the Seven in the inner part of the city. And that's great. It's all fine and good, but I'll happily spend my time here kind of slumming it if it means that I know my friend here is safe. Bryn can't go into the inner city. Bryn can't be anywhere near them because if they know, if they believe that he was still alive, they wouldn't be around for long. Chakar is the least of Bryn's worries when it comes to being in the city. So all I'm trying to do and the only thing I've been trying to do is keep him safe. Because if you know their story, you know that they've already dealt with far more than anyone deserves. And all I'm trying to do is make sure that any modicum of protection I can offer, I do. So that's great. That's awesome that you all are trying to do good and, you know, temple aside and whatever else we have to do to try to fix this mess that's been made. I don't know what's in Bryn. I don't know what's in this body that he has, but if it's a, if it's even, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it is a fragment of Loth or AO or who knows, maybe it's Morden's big toe. Honestly, I don't give a shit, but I can tell you this, if it's the thing that Chakar is coming after, and if it has any chance that it could overtake Bryn in there, we need to find a way to get it out. And I can tell you that I, I'll try to find a way, but this is not my area of expertise. He's looking over at, at Bryn. He goes, we're going to need to bring in Eustace. We're going to have to go to Drifton. I can't do it here. We can't do it in the city. If we do that kind of level of magic here, we will have the Arbiters on us in no time. They gauge that stuff. Hmm. So we need to find a safe place that's going to be outside the city. Drifton's far enough away that they won't track it. And Eustace's temple should be plenty to do this kind of work. But I don't know how yet. But whatever it is inside you, Bryn, you need to get that thing the hell out. Question. You, you said the Arbiters are tracking, like, large pulses of magic in the city? Like, are constantly monitoring that? Why do you think that this temple has, a, has protections and wards all over it? It's not for keeping things out. It's for keeping, well, it's for keeping what we're doing in here from per permeating too much. But I can only do so much because even my levels of warding are going to exhume some magic has a cost. And that, that cost is like anything else. Any energy is felt when it's expelled. So, yes, within Goldbreak, this whole city is, is being monitored. I mean, if you, uh, <laughs> if you were running the largest city in a continent... And we're trying to keep the people of it safe or <laughs> whatever the reason may be. Wouldn't you be monitoring large amounts of magic? Absolutely. I, I would just also be curious to know what 
that scale is if you know someone needed to potentially be using some magic in the near future to accomplish some goals what that might look like you know if you could give me a a level of spell in which maybe uh <laughs> the alarms start going off that would be greatly appreciated he's kind of like looking you all over and he's just kind of i will be doing some illegal things in the city I was going to say, you can't lie. Tell the truth. <laughs> I mean, I we did already that... kind of do some illegal things. Well, I did. Glenn helped. He was there. Trust me, if I helped, it would have worked. I didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask any more questions. Please don't tell me anymore. I just, I don't want to know what kind of chicanery you've been up to. But I will say this. Arcane, this is common knowledge i'm sure you know but i'll just say it for you know just in case arcane and holy magics are different they're tracked in different ways mostly it is arcane magic that is or mostly it is divine magic that's being tracked on a regular basis and a lot of that is to do with the fact that divine magic is uh well the types of divine magic are uh i don't know a little bit more trackable when it comes to their sources, learned magic and, you know, the inherent magics and whatever else, draconic magics, things like that sort. They kind of blur a little bit more, but there is a pretty distinct line. If, if your magic's coming from some wild outside divine source, that flavor of that magic, and even you, if you've seen it before, the physical manifestation of that magic can be completely different colors. So that can be tracked, even small amounts of it potentially depends on where that kind of radar is turned at the time. So just, I mean, Magic of the Seven is not really kind of looked on as closely, but if you go into the, you know, if you go right into the backyard of an Arbiter and you cast a a spell from some alien (laughs) power source, it's, uh, it might raise some flags. To know, I'm sure you've probably already caught on to this, but I do not have a lot of favor of the gods, so no. Uh, yeah, so uh, I won't be casting any spells then if I can't avoid it because uh, I don't know where mine comes from, so I won't, I won't do that. Uh, that's a great point, Callahan. Can you verify sources? I'm not an expert can, in this. Can light this shit up real quick. I'm not an expert when it comes into delving into the inner beings, uh, the inner parts of one's being. What you all did with with Bryn there is about the extent of what I can do, and that was a little easier because it's an external, contained system. Eustace is going to be a lot more adept at this. I, I, I'm sorry, but I. That's fine. When it That's, when it we, when it comes to this, I, I wouldn't want to. It could do. I could do more damage than than good, and uh, the last thing I want to do is, you know, <laughs> make one of you d- d- disassociate from your body, or lots of things could happen. Uh, you could lose yourself during the process and just 
I don't know, never actually come back out to the, the physical plane. Uh, you could be lost in the ethereal plane forever, the astral plane, who knows? So just for your own benefit and safety, I would, I would probably bring this to Eustace more than me. That's fair. That's, it also makes sense as it would be a lot safer to be testing that theory outside of a place that would trip all of the alarms. So get that. I, I have a question for Bryn, actually. Uh, now that you've kind of snapped out of it, you've, you've had this dark passenger and you was there when you entered this form, but has there been a, a power grab that you've fought off? I mean, our, our concern right now is that there's going to be Know, a means of kind of breaching your control or you know, Jakar getting control of whatever's inside that tin can of yours. Have, have you experienced that? Have you had to strengthen your resolve against anything that might be fighting from within? Bryn kind of um, like looking at you as if he's trying to figure out like exactly how, not even like, not like he's trying to hide something from you, but just, like, this isn't a. Bryn is, though they're, you know, ancient at this point, like they've been around for hundreds of years, they still, like, are not, like, someone who is adept at magic in general. So, like, the understanding of this stuff is, is, is foreign to them and how to communicate it. So, they, they, he communicates it in sim more simplistic ways. When I first uh, found myself in this body, that was more, and it, You'll have to forgive me, it's been, you know, a few hundred years, so things are a little bit fuzzy, and not only fuzzy, I, I kind of forget what it felt like to be not in here. And so all I can kind of do is pull back to that first moment when I woke up, and I just had this feeling like, you know, a feeling when there's just someone right over here, right over your shoulder, but when you turn around, there's no one there. That's kind of the feeling I would get. Like, I was, there was someone there, but I just couldn't turn fast enough to see him. Never, I don't feel, never felt a challenge. I, no more than anyone else does. You know, that, that inner voice in your head telling you to do something or do something else. You make it be question whether or not that's my internal voice or something else, but I don't know. It's never been something as overt as where I feel like I've lost time or I've been displaced. But would I even know? I mean, you all have been around me long enough to know now that, you know, I have I if I've seemed like myself the entire time that you've been around me, I would take that as a good sign, but then turns towards Rangrim and just says, does it seem like he's ever done or experienced what you've experienced? I mean, this sounds kind of similar. You two are probably the only ones here who's had to fight for their vessel. Uh, did you know when you were taken over, Rangrim? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's weird. I kind of get what he saying like when you there's there was definitely points where I realized it's just 
You ever be like, like you're alone in a room, but you're not alone? It's like what Brent's saying. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. The idea of, um, you know, kind of having this body all to myself, it sounds tempting. I, I'm curious to even, you know, know what that might feel like, but I don't know. It's, uh, it might be in Rangrim. I know you seek, you, you recently went through, uh, something similar to this, but it might be one of those things where you don't know how sick you are until it's cured. Uh, that, that I definitely can agree with. Definitely feels a lot better having only my own thoughts in my head for a while, for once. Uh, knowing you, Rangram, that sounds infinitely more terrifying than that large brain we fought to free you of your troll. Yeah, kinda. Uh, so it sounds like in order to extract this this dark passenger from our friend here, we need to go visit Eustace down in down in Drifton. That's that's not a quick trip either. That's that's a few days travel from here by foot, or no more than that. It's probably close to a week by foot or cart. We do have a means of quicker transportation, but we still have business in town. So, do you have a timeline? You guys want to leave? Callahan? Bryn's been, Bryn's been dealing with this thing for, well, ever. Some odd, <laughs> some odd hundreds of years. I don't think that a few days, why? Well, he's kind of looking at, at Bryn with concern a little bit. Um, that is, unless we just upset something in our foray into him, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think that aside from maybe keeping a little bit of a more watchful eye, if you don't mind, Bryn, I think that we, this isn't something that we need to rush into. We don't need to go down immediately unless it's becomes more dire. I would say get what you need to do done in the city. Be careful. I know you've said you've already kind of run afoul of some people. I don't mean to scare you by any means, but running afoul of the church and the seven and the arbiters, I would rather personally spit in the emperor's face than to litter in front of an arbiter. So just take that and do with it what you will, but it's all fun and games and, you know, shenanigans until one of them catches you and publicly executes you in the middle of the city. If it makes you feel better, I'm to plan on spitting in the face of the emperor, so it's a twofer. Well, there you go. Yeah, you know, that's, that'll get you, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's just community service. So it's, uh, <laughs> no problem at all. Um, I mean, your we, life is your own. It's, yeah. 
we'll make the, <laughs> I don't mean to, you know, it's, it would be great if you all go, but I will say that if I do need to, if it comes down to it, Brynn and I will make the trip ourselves. So do, do what you will, but it's, uh, we will, if we can let you know before we need to head out, if something were to happen, but if not, we can plan on all going together, obviously safety in numbers. We also will be able to get you there outside of, you know, maybe a teleportation circle. I don't, I don't know necessarily if there's a divine version of that, but we will be able to get you there quicker and probably safer than most other forms of travel. I mean, not many people are going to be putting up much of a fight against the two of you, I'm sure, but like you said strength in numbers and flying donkeys generally get you places where other people can't. Oh, you, uh, you guys thought we were walking there, huh? Well, I mean, yes. how are you going to get there? Um, magically? Oh. Um, elaborate. So, I don't know if you all are aware, but powerful, powerful magic users have the ability to instantly transport themselves from one place to another. Well, I mean, you're, you bet. you're a cleric. That's not really in your spellbook, is it? Oh, shit. <laughs> He's... Again, the the eye, the the like the 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 death stare, just like the stern look, just appears um, again and oh. goes. Oh, that wasn't funny. Well, maybe my it seems that my gods are a bit more powerful than yours, boy. Well, I'm a paladin, so it's not in my spellbook either. So it's it's fine. <laughs> I uh. Don't mean to interrupt this pissing contest, but if we if we ask for say five days, would that be enough time for you to kind of collect your things and we could we could either meet you there or make that trek together? We we do have again flying donkeys. We do not want to leave behind if we were to teleport. And I'm not sure how powerful you are if you're able to move that much weight, that much mass, but. Uh, that trip could be a valuable time for, you know, planning or sharing secrets without a zone of truth. It might be a valuable time for us to uh, maybe share some ideas and share some experiences because we've all fought Jakar in a different way. And it might be valuable to share kind of what that looks like and kind of what we want to do in the next phase. Because I don't know what he was like when you guys locked him up. Uh, but he did take over the form of a demon, and I'm assuming that only makes things a little more difficult in the divine sense. Uh, I think he was a devil. Or a devil, which he, he, also he, probably makes things difficult in the divine sense. He just corrected me like three times. It's, you know. <laughs> they are yeah, different. You, you spent a lot of time with him, like on that ship. He probably just never stopped talking, huh? And you were gagged when we saw you, so you probably didn't even get to like retort or anything. No, yeah, I was blindfolded mostly in in the irons. 
Pretty much. Yep. Mm-hmm. That would have been hell. It was a cold day in hell for sure. When we, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna, it's gonna change things a little bit. I don't know if any of the residual nine hells energy will be pulled into that concoction of whatever this is. To be honest, I didn't even know that it could take over forms. I, when we found it originally, when we faced it and trapped it, it was, I don't know, 90 feet long or so and had about six legs and four wings and could turn creatures to stone with nary a look. So whatever, uh, whatever it is now, let's just hope that let's maybe it replaced some of those things instead of just adding firepower and whatever else to its repertoire. But when it comes to traveling, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'll have to think about it. Uh, Glenn, roll a persuasion check for your uh, trying to persuade him to come on the trick via, via, via donkey. Flying donkey. Cosmo dice, don't fuck me. Uh, hold on. But my persuasion is a oh, fuck balls. 12. <laughs> 12. Uh, yeah. He goes, looking at kind of looking at Bran, looking at you guys. I understand that you don't want to lose your, you know, you got your, you know, pimped out ride, whatever. That's really great. But you guys have pimps bones, in the church? Uh, yes. You guys have pimps in the church? That's a weird phrase for a clergyman to kind of just throw out there. I mean, Spend it's a, a lot of time with prostitutes or. It's a subclass of bard. I don't really know what your uh... subclass of bard. <laughs> well, I know what my next class is. <laughs> I've taken oh. College of the Pimps. <laughs> oh, College of the Pimps. Here we go. Ba da 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 da. Ba da 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 da. Why don't you all take your magical flying donkeys? And we'll take our magical spells of transportation and you can meet us there. And then we can, you know, shoot the, shoot the shit and everything else. Uh, but I won't have to, um, you know, soak in an ice bath for four days afterwards. Or right, well, a gentle I'm, lover. Yeah, I'm as gentle as can be. And on the bright side, we won't have to worry about Chikar randomly finding you and Bryn while we're up in the air on uh, riding a bunch of uh, just kind of unfortunately enchanted donkeys. I mean, it's, they're not unfortunately enchanted. Um, so, I mean, maybe watch your mouth. But uh, question, um, could you like teach me how to do that teleport thing? Oh yeah, no, for sure. That was a very persuasive, very persuasive argument. You just, uh, I, you know what, just, uh, you know, just, just come, just come on by the temple and just start, um, just start yelling about you know, how much you want to, you want to learn this magic. And, um, I'm sure that, you know, I will abs- absolutely just come running. Um, and just, uh, and I'll happily teach you this spell at any time. 
Sorry, that sounded kind of like a lie, almost. It it's probably worn out. Yeah, it's got. <laughs> it's totally. What's the what's the length of time on that? Ten minutes. One minute. Ten minutes. Ten, Ten minutes. minutes. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gone. It's it's for yeah. Sure. I was like, I think we've at least been chatting it up for at least a half hour. I was gonna say it. This has been happening IRL, and even in IRL, it has been. It is. It, it is like we are. We are at half hour at least since that thing was cast. Yeah. It's right, basically well, an episode of 24 over here. <laughs> I guess just uh, let us know when you head out and good luck on your travels because like you're going to use some divine magic and your temple's going to light up like the 4th of July for the Arbiter. So, luck. Right. Well, uh, okay. So the plan is they're going to teleport whenever they feel ready while you guys go and steal the... What is it you're stealing? Wait, what are you stealing? Nothing. We're not stealing... Oh, that's... Uh, anything. I just... I, I, I heard for a second you said something about stealing something. And again, I just... I wanted to impress upon you the deadliness of the arbiters and everyone who is guarding the inner city. Um, but no, continue, continue with your, your theft plan uh, as you recreate uh, the, the wonderful traveling theater play heat. No, no, we're not stealing really anything. Uh, Cosmo just, he's never been to a library before. So Glenn's just going to check a book out. Ah, uh, your first one. That's so. I'm 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 so proud of you. Definitely, I would start with the uh, the one that has the alphabet on the front in 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 large large letters. The 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 abka, I think we call it. I think those are separate. You're probably right. So we'll meet in Drifton. You guys are gonna let us know when you're heading out. You said five days. Why don't you just pick a time that you're gonna show up there, and then we'll show up there well it will take us much more time because we're not just going to bamf there let's oh. let's call it five days for your guys we we will leave as soon as we can our business here shouldn't take forever uh let's let's aim to meet there in five days you might have a little bit of waiting to do but i'm sure with all that magical gifts that you have you can you can let us know when you've arrived or when you're departing or both Call me when you get what? there. <laughs> How about we just plan on you all? We will we will plan on arriving on the, the evening of the fifth day. And you can find us at the Chapel of the Seven that is in Drifton. Good. Right. Okay. So we're good. Yeah, we're 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 wonderful. Before you all head out, you, uh, Brian, if you, if you don't mind, I just, I'm just gonna, and he's kind of like, uh, he's pulling you, the three of you off to the side. Do you all go with him? Sure. Lynn is a big Callahan fan. He pulls you off to the side, um, kind of out of the way uh, of Bryn, who Bryn's kind of looking at a little bit questioningly, but he like pulls you to towards the front door, uh, kind of farther away from like 
you know, the, the end where the, you know, the, the altar where you guys were kind of standing before. Listen, I, you know, I can, you know, I, you know sarcasm aside, I am concerned about what's going on with Bryn. And as I have, I can't just be away from my duties consistently. I have to be show face and do things. So over the course of these next five days, I can't be with Bryn all the time. I think that, as you know, he can't go into the inner city and needs to stay far enough on the outskirts that he's safe. If you have a place that he could stay, stay somewhere safe out of the way, it's going to be better than this dilapidated temple, but this is the only place that he can stay right now. So if there's a place that even he can have an eye on him or something, I, I would prefer that if you were able to help lend a hand on keeping an eye on him. Yeah, I can, um, I can keep an eye on him. Uh, I mean, it's safe place. You, uh, we rep, we, uh, we lodge, we, Potentially have lodge out at uh, what was that inn again? The Starwood Inn. Oh, the Starwood Inn is beautiful. I never stayed there myself since I have lodgings here, but I've uh, I've seen their grounds and I've heard that their uh, their you know kind of vantage point for the Starfalls uh, are unprecedented. Uh, would that be outskirty enough? Is it? Well, I would say so. The, the Starwood is far enough outside of town that it doesn't, it's not really reg, like kind of regularly uh, patrolled by the, you know, the, uh, the you know, kind of the, the, the seven, the, you know, the, any of the guards themselves. Um, but it's kind of in a safer part of town that, you know, Bryn's not going to have to find himself in a scrap and he's gonna have to defend himself and call attention so uh I we mean, have to uh sneak him all the way over there or can we just Bryn is with the magic that's currently cloaking Bryn's kind of aura uh he's, it's hard for him to be detected by anyone his uh, whatever is whatever Chakar is tracking seems to be currently jammed uh, by both Eustace and I's uh, protection spells and wards that are covering that tin can of a body. And with the kind of faux, you know, minor illusion spell that showcases him as his previous self, um, aside from anyone that might have recognized him 300 years ago, I think he's pretty safe uh, for to the common folk. Just don't let anyone touch him. But aside from that, I think he's okay. Oh, all right. That that seems seems easy enough. Uh, sure. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, just changes form to look like he's got you know the sickness, the you know the thing that's going around right now, like the the bumps on the neck, just a couple boils here and there, and no one's gonna want to touch him with a thirty foot pole. That sounds bad. I don't want to be associated with that. They'll never let him into the inn. Yeah, I don't think they'll let him into the Starwood if uh, if he's if he think, has dragon pox or whatever. I'm, uh, that's fucking amazing. I, I meant more along the lines of you know as we're getting through town because if you you know happen to 
quickly shift again into the, the in. It would probably work out, but you're, uh, Cosmo, I'm sure we could figure out a way of getting him in or at least just not let him get touched. Yeah, that's those I like that. Nine blocks we need to walk. The minor illusion spell that's on Brim is not just like some set thing that can be changed. It's it's showcasing Brin's inner self, inner depiction of themselves. So it's it's kind of a self manifestation uh, projection, uh, though you will, of Brin's inner soul. Not to get we really just harped on his like emotions and made him feel like a real piece of shit. We could eventually get him to think that he has boils and i mean if you just like really dig at someone's self-conscious you can get them to do believe a lot of things it's called negging if i remember correctly i think it's called pegging but anyway uh yeah that's your church um okay so we get Bryn to the starwood in cosmo's going to keep an eye on him i need to make a stop we have to go visit our friend that we mentioned or that i mentioned earlier kel um I might be able to get some some content for you know, Brenda to look over, see if anything doesn't quite match up in, in the history books, if we're not going to be able to get him into the city or I guess into the the capital, past those walls. Um, does anybody want to go with me to the archivist? Does anybody have questions for Cal? Uh, Callahan. Cosmo. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, Callahan kind of uh, speaks up with if you all are staying and already have have lodgings at the Starwood, I can walk Bryn over there uh, trying to pretend that we can't, I mean, I think it goes without saying, we cannot let Bryn know that he, he's kind of looking over his shoulder and Bryn's kind of looking very inquisitively over at you all uh, kind of uh, as this is taking longer than it, it, a little bit of a long time. I cast Mage Hand and I just like cover it opaquely, like right over his eyes. And every time he like looks, I just like shift it so he like can't. Now, Glenn, I, what, I, what do you got? Uh, it's just kind of like moving back and forth. Listen, uh, I, we get we can't let him know that we're just like babysitting him. He's not gonna be. He's, he's you know him long enough. You've known him for a long enough time. You know that he's not gonna go along with that. I, I can walk him over there. Just show him the place, say that I want to see the Starwood, whatever. Show, show him because he may not know where it is, whatever the case may be. But if you all want to do something else, that's fine. I can get him to the Starwood. Just from then, it's I can stop him from time to time, but it's going to be kind of, it's going to be on you and whatever you deem necessary to kind of make sure that he's not under guard all the time. It's, he's not a child, but just have an eye on him just in case something were to happen. Yeah, sure. Um Right, I did think I forgot we were gonna stop by the archivist, but uh, I mean after that, like I'm, I don't really have anything else to do on my list. I think I'm. I mean maybe we maybe I'll. Well no, we'll figure it out. It'll be great. <laughs> that sounds good. Question as well. Uh, do you know if there's any type of in my circles, there's code words for kind of letting groups pass or, you know, red flags, safety words along those lines. Is there anything we can use at the gate or maybe some of the entrances to the main part of the city that might help us not have as close of an eye on us as, you know, their usual 
wands of detect illusion and that type of process because it's a pretty tough screening process into town. Is there is there maybe a gate that you know of that has less security or you know a, a fine little cleric bunny who you know likes certain colored robes, whatever the uh, the way you can kind of skip to the front of the line. <laughs> You see Callahan's eyebrows. Yeah, you see Callahan's eyebrows just traveling further and further up his forehead as you're kind of uh, as you're kind of asking them about these the weaknesses of their internal like city uh, protection methods. He goes, "Yeah, it's almost like their screening process, being as thorough as it is, is you know made to protect." those in the inner city and the emperor and you know the clerics of the seven and everyone else it's uh weird that it's working i guess uh, it's really unfortunate i'll have them i'll have to tell them something about that how how well their stuff's working and see if they can make a change to that i mean you could just say you don't know well, no yeah but that, yeah that's fine would would that be any fun listen <laughs> i prepare I might be able to get you in without them screening you all, but you will have to, you're, if you, if you were to disguise yourselves as kind of, you know, acolytes, like, you know, someone like, you know, kind of church, younglings if you will people that are like the guy i guess kind of in the uh i cannot think of the word for someone who is a uh who is like um uh god like be, uh... training yeah to be a cleric what would that be called i, I don't know i think that's... acolyte I, I would think acolyte someone's okay. devoted yeah. to learning I, I think that's the right word sure. i think you yeah, got it right on the first time that sounds right a, a devotee of the seven if you will someone who's uh in training to become uh, a cleric of the seven. If we were to kind of disguise you all as that uh, in a way that's non-magical, I think that that's something that we might be able to pull off. I, I don't think that they're going to look too closely if you all are traveling with me. Let's plan on this. Let's go. Let's go deliver. Let's go deliver our friend here to the Starwood. In the meantime, I will pick up some dry cleaning and can robe you all up uh, in some robes of the seven in a manner that hopefully will be deceptive enough to get you through. I do warn you that if this goes poorly, I will pretend that I have no idea that you all are in disguises and will play ignorant. I seems, know I, seems I I'm I'm glad that that Bryn has vowed for you but not enough to put my life on the line no offense None taken Really expected any other way Okay uh well I guess it's are we doing Starwood in now or are we do I have time to visit Kel or should, should I save that for Oh I need to be robed gotcha to the Starwood in it is 
man, Bryn, these guys are sharp. Uh, he claps you on the back and goes, all right, yeah, four cups of sugar, three eggs, and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, one rock speak. And that's, yeah, that should do it for you. Kind of like giving you some sort of completely made up recipe uh, as if that's what you guys have been talking about. Claps you on the back um, with his giant withered orc hand uh, and kind of walks over to uh, collect Bryn. And after kind of like uh, letting, like seeming to kind of like inform him that they, that, that you all are going to be traveling to the Starwood, um, you all uh, head out. Uh, the three of you, along with Callahan and Bryn, uh, traveling over to uh, traveling over to Starwood, uh, where you, um, I assume, pay. Uh, how many days do you guys want to pay? We'll just kind of keep this quick. Uh, we had a pretty hefty amount going on the cart, right? Yeah. So I believe that I paid in full uh, for two weeks. Is yeah, what I, I want to so. say. And then I tipped more. Um, That's right. Because of Kevin, who had said his name was Barry because Rangram scared the, uh, well, scared the Kevin out of him, basically. (laughs) He scared him so bad he changed people. Uh, (laughs) I'm looking. Yeah, we gave them. Yeah, so we have the stable for two weeks and then we we never booked a room. So no. That's right. We thought we might get lodging in the actual city. Oh, yeah, because there's that super fancy, uh, the the Gilded Lily is where we thought we may have been staying. But uh, then they said the stars were falling, and that sounds super fucking cool. So five days up front. Okay. Friendship tax. Yeah. um, How much was it for the stables again? I completely forgot. Uh, I want to say stables were two gold per night. Cause right here I have, I gave 18 gold to the Starwood Inn. Okay. And it was two of that gold was like just a tip. Okay. Um, then I'm going to say uh, it is normally 10 gold per night. Um, and I'll say that you got, depending on what kind of, what size, actually, that's a good question. Um, what, what size room are you looking to get? Are you looking to get individual rooms? Are you looking to get one giant kind of suite with shared like rooms? And okay. Biggest, nicest room with the best view of the Starfall. If there's like a third floor veranda where you can go out and smoke magical cigarettes and drink tea that Anne makes, that's that's where you will be. How many uh, nights are you looking to book it for? Well, we're leaving in evening of the fifth day, so five days days from now. Four days. days. Sure, yeah, five days. Five days. Um, Well. Congratulations! There is actually a uh, there's a discount once you get to that that fifth day. So that was really that was really smart that you did that. Um, so I would say that so normally, convenient. yeah, normally I'll say that this room would have been about 18 gold per per night. Um, so I'll say that it, with with your discount, it's about 15 uh, 15 gold per night. Um, so you are looking at a total of 75 dollars, uh, I believe, if my math is correct, uh, for five nights. Uh, Glenn, 75 pays. gold. Glenn's got it. Glenn pays it. Okay, um, yeah, you uh, you hand it over to the uh, the kindly um, dryad that's uh, behind the counter currently. Uh, the 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 ma- like the elf, the the male elf, uh, wood elf is uh, does, seems to be off doing something else. Uh, but the dryad's there. Um, and uh, do you want to tell them anything, or just kind of before you just leave uh, uh, Bryn and head on your way? Uh, Bryn's gonna approach Anne and. Well, I guess it's only been a, uh, yeah, it's, it's been like what, like a, a day since we last saw them. So 
or no, we saw it, them that morning. Yeah, a so, few yeah, hours no, ago, yeah. It's totally fine. Um, I'm just gonna kind of approach and say, you know, we're we're setting up lodging, and our friends here are gonna be staying here for the time being. So, you know, I say this with the utmost trust in you, Callahan, and I'll look Callahan in the eyes like, charge everything to my tab. We'll stop. Well, that, I, I'll, I'll cover the cover the fees. Well, that's mighty kind of you. Um, of course, yeah. Uh, you know, you you all are welcome to come and go as you please. You did you you bought the biggest room in the place, so uh, I'm more than happy to uh, you know to make sure that you all have uh, full access to everything. Uh, and, you know, of course, you're because you uh you know you splurged and kind of got that whole upper floor. So just just for your uh, knowledge, the entire upper floor has been rented by you. The top floor has been rented by you. Why is here? It has its own, um, basically, like at the end of the stairs um, is the door that only that opens into your entire suite, and you have your own big balcony. That's the that is a complete wraparound of the entire building. Let's go. I I really want to go to the Star Wars. I want to go to this place. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds so cool every time you describe <laughs> it with like trees holding the structure up. It just sounds yeah. so sick. I I picture it as like um like an old school kind of uh, like farmhouse but like on a much larger scale and as if you stretched it up a few more floors than it's supposed to be um uh and i don't know if this is you know necessarily a service that comes with the room but we have been traveling a bunch we have not had a good warm meal in quite some time if if there's you know food service that we could have every morning i personally love some tea i don't know you know rangram cosmo are you coffee drinkers tea drinkers are you clean of the caffeine but it would be it'd be wonderful to I always have that when we're when it's needed. Of course, yeah, I, we're more than happy to provide that. Uh, but yeah, we'll make sure that it gets brought up to the room. Now, uh, your friend that's staying here, uh, ha- have they eaten? Uh, is there? Uh, and you see, Bryn kind of just like looking over, like uh, I'm full. I, I'm I'm good. I don't. Yeah, I'm. Oh, oh yeah, real stuff. Had a big lunch. It, it, I'm just going to whisper to Ambia. He's a little self-conscious about his weight, so don't try to bring up food too much. We're kind of coaxed, like encouraging him to eat kind of like a healthier routine versus, you know, not eating anything and then eating a bunch and then not, it's just. Uh, you see Anne who kind of like looks concerned at that and goes, oh, but what, a, a, strap, a strapping man like him? And you see her reach her hand out towards uh, towards Bryn to kind of He's like- He kind of has like a like a, a contact thing too. He's sort of uncomfortable with, with new people touching him. So if it's just, he, he oh, likes his, I, his personal space. Yeah, it's, it's fine, uh, man. You're, you're, you're just being I'm polite. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I just, he's a hunk of beef right there. Your husband is right there. This is, I'm sorry. Sir, this is a little uncomfortable. We'll we'll just go up to our room. Um. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you are, so uh, Callahan is just kind of standing there. Goes, okay. You're just going up there. I guess I'll hang out down here. Well, Callahan, you said you need to go pick up your laundry. Do you want someone to go do that with you? Uh, I'll go do it myself. Okay. And he's kind of like <laughs> grumbling to himself. Kind of wanders out the door. Like, God, I thought they'd help, but I guess now I will carry it over myself. Whatever. Let's send the old orc out to do it. We, we offered to help. I didn't. Just kinda Bye, waves Calhoun. His, waves his hand back behind him as he stumps <laughs> out with his cane out the door. Um, okay. Um, so, yeah, you all uh, you all head up the stairs and uh, open the door into this. It's 
it's rustic, but like really well, um, like it, it, but kind of like in an open floor plan kind of setup, very clean, but also like, it looks like the, the furniture itself is like being grown out of the wooden floor. So like the, literally everything is like attached. If you try to move this stuff, you would have to like disconnect it from the floor. Like the beds, um, you can see that this has, um, has four separate rooms that kind of branch off of the main living space, uh, which has a, a, a full kitchen, uh, has everything. And uh, so like think like big open like floor and then just like basically one whole side is just like doors that go into four different rooms on the, uh, on the front hand side of the house. Uh, and then the whole backhand side is just like glass windows that are, and you can see like a couple double doors that open out to the walk around balcony. And you would imagine that probably each of your rooms have its own door off onto the front part of the balcony as well to connect. Um, but uh, yeah, you can see that, you know, kind of in this, uh, you know, mid to late afternoon, um, you can see that the, just the expanse of like, just plains of rolling plains and hills that are kind of expanding out to the the southern uh you know parts regions of Sakal. you can see in like the far distance there is um you know there's kind of you know that there's a drop off where there is like a body of water that uh, continues downwards and eventually you end up in amber falls um you know in amber falls uh the Amber Falls falling into uh, and around the actual town of our city of Amber Falls, which is another large city within Sakal. Um, but then beyond that, you can see like, you know, the ocean far, far, far in the distance and like, you know, forests and whatever else. But, you know, expanding out in front of you for like miles and miles and miles is uh, mostly these rolling plains um, and just like, you know, kind of open sky that you could imagine that kind of this elevated vantage point would uh, allow you to see a pretty beautiful uh, uh, view of like, you know, whatever this starfall might be, uh, you know, and, you know, that's going to be happening over the course of this next week. Uh, yeah, Glenn would ask, what's the, what's the best, we want to be facing south, north, east, west, where, what's the best vantage point for the, uh, the starfall? I don't want to be, you know, setting up on the east side and all the actions on the west there is there a better way to look at it oh absolutely south uh, it's gonna be uh, this is honestly my favorite time my favorite time of year and with it being the uh i don't know i just have an inkling with it uh, it they've been getting kind of better each year and we've been hearing rumors that it's gonna i think it's gonna be a big one this year it's it's you know it, it's kind of every time every every time around this time of year it's just it, you know they start to fall and it's just it's beautiful. It's it's like something I've never really experienced. Then here's this and grabs the southernmost room, knowing that's gonna be right off his door. Uh and I like to think that outside on the veranda there's, you know, some old timey cracker barrel rocking chairs and some big old comfy love sacks, but Glenn's gonna try to hunt out whatever he could like he's gonna try to hunt out the uh a hammock that's like strung among maybe two of like the guiding posts that's like kind of holding this this whole structure up and oh yeah oh yeah there's definitely some um they seem to be woven out like out of like a naturally occurring like almost like a um uh, some sort of reed that seems to have like woven itself and, and like this living green uh, reed that seems to have like come off of the um, the actual pillar that it's on. You can see that it's like vines have grown and have kind of woven uh, this this hammock outlining and then these reeds have kind of made a uh, uh, kind of woven bed to lay in that's swaying slightly in the the breeze that's kind of blowing across uh, this this open uh, balcony. 
Well, boys, while we wait for sunset and the starfall, do you guys want to get comfy? I think there's a pot of tea on its way up, and sure, Ray and Grip, you got one of those uh, beer cigarettes with my name on it. Yeah, but you want like the regular one. Oh yeah, please do not be casting anything on me when I. Yeah, I, I don't want the one that you you bought that has all sorts of crazy effects. I'm not trying to go on a journey right now. Oh, I just I thought like maybe like the the that that illusionary one will be cool with the starfall. You know what I mean? Like we could really like freak out. Man. It. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help babysit on this one. I'm a you. You do that one. I will uh, smoke the regular, and we'll see. Uh, I mean, maybe Cosmo. You want the astral projection one, or what do you? What are you feeling? Just uh, the tea. I'm. I'm good. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go clean on this one and just enjoy it for what it for what it is. That sounds Nerd. awful. Yeah, probably. Well, as I. Uh... <laughs> As I have not been able to be intoxicated in the last 300 years or so, I will, uh, I'll also be going <laughs> clean with you there, Cosmo. Uh, though, I, honestly, I wouldn't mind partaking if I was able to. Once they come up with some sort of uh, Warforged equivalent for, uh, you know, truth weed or, you know, astral projection weed, whatever, you know, kinds of thing, even ale, man, at this point, it's been 300 years since I've actually been able to get, like, you know, a slight buzz on. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> one day, maybe. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. like hell. We're 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 gonna get you. We're gonna get you in a body soon. I I have faith. We are either gonna rip your soul out or rip someone else's out. So there's only two options, and and one of them might help uh help with that. So fingers crossed. Well. Sounds sounds quite all right to me. It's, you know, not to get too dark, but it wouldn't mind, uh, wouldn't be too bad to, you know, feel the breeze again or some of those other things. But anyway, uh, not to, like I said, not to get too dark. But um, he, as he's kind of like backpedaling this, uh, this somber conversation that he like <laughs> kind of dropped out of nowhere, um, you all settle in. Uh, and as, uh, you know, at some point, Ann knocks on the door and brings up a, uh, you know, a plate of tea. Uh, I think actually probably it's the, uh, her elven partner that brings them up, um, brings it up the stairs and kind of sets it down as you all are kind of settling into uh, the balcony. Who's sitting on what? So we know Glenn's like lounging in the hammock, uh, Rangrim. What are, what, what did, what, anything like, did you, did you make a chair? Did you, have you picked a chair? What, what kind of, uh, what, what would Rangrim be sitting in? Um, Rangrim found a rocking chair. And he thinks that's just like the absolute tits. Never seen one before. And it's just like, you know, like it's like a little kid. He's like rocking a little too much in it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Cosmo. What is Cosmo sitting in? Um, I love Zach. I love Zach. The real thing. I know. So, don't feel tempted by them follow your follow your heart i think it, initially when we were thinking about it i think cosmo would just be uh standing i don't know that he was gonna sit okay maybe he's yeah. just standing out like kind of uh leaning on the um the railing you know and just mm -hmm. if you get if it gets real spectacular maybe he'll just lay down and look up or i don't know okay yeah um 
I think that I think that Bryn uh, just kind of like seeing the single love sack just throws himself down into it and like forgetting how heavy he is. Like you see it immediately, almost like break at the seam on one side, and like this kind of woven uh, sack that it probably is filled with some sort of like bean or something. Just like you see them start to kind of poof out the side a little bit as he uh, throws drops himself down into it and just sinks like far too far down in, um, and just like. I bet this is uh I bet this is quite comfy, to be honest. Uh, it's evidently like it's gonna be really hard to get up though, but it's okay. I'm good. And he's just kind of sitting there with his arms up. You generally just roll out of those. There's not really a graceful way. We'll we'll all look away when you need to get out of it. We'll we'll save your dignity. <laughs> yeah, it's my it's my account you. Um, so you all are, you all are sitting there. You're, you're kind of, uh, joining in on this, um, Rangram, I assume you, you break into, uh, break into one of the more gnarly, uh, you know, trifecta boot cigarettes, uh, the, uh, the, the, what do they call it? The, oh, cross fuck. Joint. What, the cross joint. Yeah, absolutely. The cross joint, um, of all three kinds of, uh, magical herb that this, uh, that's the call offers. Um, and, you all are sitting there as, as the sun kind of, the, as the, as the evening, you know, starts to kind of like fall upon you. Um, at some point Callahan kind of makes his way up and is uh, knocking on the door. And then uh, when, when no one comes to get it, kind of just opens it up with, with, you know, with his cane and is kind of like carrying this huge like bag of laundry and, and just like grumbling the entire time after noticing that you all are just literally sitting there doing nothing. Um and, and Glenn uh, floats him over a teacup, just like hands him the teacup as he starts to complain. He just like it's already in his like view right in front of him. Just like just just join us. Uh, oh, all right, it's been a it's been a been a long day. It's, tea sounds nice, and he kind of settles down um, into one of the, the rocking chairs. Actually, like kind of over um, over by uh, where Rangram's at, like just kind of off to the side of Rangram. There's another one there, maybe a little table in between you two. Um, and you all settle in as the, the sun begins to set and, um, you can see that like the, you know, to, you can tell that, you know, to the wet, yeah, to the West, I constantly have to do the thing set in whichever way. And I know I could just make it up, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same way that ours is. Um, but since we've already set this as a, uh, as a precedent, um, the sun sets in the West in Sakal and, you can tell that, you know, somewhere to the west, um, far beyond the Spina Peaks, uh, the sun is, is, is starting to go down. Who knows whether, uh, you know, Captain Combs and that crew have found themselves another ship. Maybe they're out on the ocean somewhere over there. Um, who knows where the, um, you know, where the, the, the remaining crew of the Red King and is in what they're doing over there. Uh, and the, the many people in Westreach that, you know, are not big fans of you. Maybe these things are crossing through your mind as the, uh, as you see the sun kind of go down behind the mountains to your West. And kind of, there's a little bit, it's just like, as the sun sets and you all are kind of maybe talking, maybe it's quiet. And it kind of, it's one of those things where like, there's a little bit of muted conversation, but then from time to time, it just kind of goes quiet as you all are just kind of enjoying this, this beautiful view out to the south of, uh, end of Sakal, something that like, there's been a lot of room for quiet contemplation in, you know, in, in your adventures. It's, it's most of the time, it's pretty action packed. You're either being trying, something's trying to kill you or something's trying to impede your mind, or you're trying to save someone from something. But I as, think this stands as, out. As, 
as Rangrim passes the joint to Glenn and Glenn takes a puff or two. And then as he's mage handing it back towards Rangrim, Glenn's going to politely float it also towards Callahan and see if Callahan partakes in the parte. Um, how about this? Roll me a persuasion check. Okay. I think that that's the way to go. That's fair. Not bad. Uh, yeah, peer exactly. pressure check. Yeah. Uh, 13. I think that that's enough. I think that in this, in this setting, far enough away from the, uh, you know, kind Fine of the guys. watchful eye of the city. Sure. Um, I think that in, in this company, I think that that is enough to, uh, for Callahan to kind of reluctantly kind of looks over and you can see a spark of like, you know, Callahan's uh, so far has been kind of, you know, you can tell that there's like that little spark of like, you know, sarcasm and, and not only like, they're not like this super dry square person. Like you can tell that they're in their, probably in their younger years, they got up to some chicanery. Um, born a cleric. You gotta, you gotta get there eventually. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I Callahan uh, takes a healthy puff off this thing that probably impresses uh you know like at least a, a, a you know kind of approving nod from rangrim who uh basically can suck these down like air at this point there's and, a little uh, the little thing in the top right of the hood that says rangrim likes this <laughs> you see uh you see callahan immediately just like their face just kind of like relax as they settle back into the chair and you can tell that they are probably having some sort of slight out-of-body experience in that moment um as they kind of just close their eyes and uh, continue to, you know, just enjoy the, the night breeze that is kind of going over you all. And it starts to happen slowly at first, and then it kind of picks up steam. But you're, you're hearing, like, that people are moving out of the, uh, of the Starwood Inn onto this, like, back patio below your kind of elevated veranda. You can tell that there's a down onto the grass below. You can, you can hear people start to kind of, like, coming out and like sitting on the ground as you start seeing these faint kind of streaks of light coming from the sky, like so far away from you, like shooting star-esque, um, but you're you're seeing like these things that are kind of like wisps at first and they're different colors. They're not consistent, like they're not all white. They're different multicolors as these things start to kind of pick up steam, much like a meteor shower as the as it gets darker and the night gets deeper. And one thing that's that's interesting is with how we perceive uh, shooting stars to be, we know that they're they're going around the stratosphere of of our of our planet, and so we don't see them kind of like you never see them kind of across the field of vision where like we are seeing land and these these things like they're not impacting with the planet the prime material plane in the way that it's, it's created is is different it's it's not a sphere and you're seeing these things that are streaking down and you can you 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 can probably feel like maybe they are impacting you don't know but they're not like exploding as they're hitting the ground but they're like streaking past your field of vision where you can see land between you like you know beyond you and them and as you're looking over these things they're they're starting to pick up steam and more and more of them and you can hear the oohs and the ahs much like a fireworks uh kind of like event 
as people are just watching these multicolored streaks streak through the sky towards the ground from multiple different angles, but they're all seemingly kind of coming from like an upwards angle kind of crossing in front of you. Uh, far, far in the distance and high, high in the sky. Everyone roll me perception checks. Uh-oh. That one. Lynn goes blind. <laughs> that one. Got it. Yeah, that one. You're, Granted, you're I have, I have, uh, what's it called? Reliable talent. It would be an 18, but still more fun than that one. Uh, Ingram got a 28. Uh, Cosmo coming in right in the middle with a 16. Okay. Rangrim, you were the one who had true vision on, true sight on when you were in this memory, vision, whatever that was inside of uh, Bryn's soul gem. So it would make sense that you would be the one that would recognize this. As you're looking up into the sky, everyone else is kind of focusing on the the falling of the stars and watching where they impact and 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 just kind of seeing these like little flashes of light as they fall to the fall from the sky and that's the that's the fun part for most of them but rangram with your trained eye and your high level of perception with this long time that you've you know been below you know below the ground and now above the ground and with your enhanced vision from your magical eye you look up into the sky to not where the stars are falling, but where they're coming from. And as you look closer at the night sky, you swear for just a split second before each of these little, these little like streaks of light come down and start falling towards the earth, you swear you just see this small opening in the, dark, in the night sky above. And it looks terrifyingly familiar to the same kind of sight that you saw in that vision within Bryn's soul gem. And that is where we're going to leave the episode tonight. You bastard. Bad time for me to roll a one. Thank you for listening to the Almost Heroes and their mostly 5th edition D&D adventures. We post new podcast episodes every Monday, and you can catch us live on Twitch every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST at twitch.tv slash bangerangbobby. See you there.